morning, everyone. The first reading this morning comes from the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy, chapter 32, reading from verses 1 to 5. Now, in the small print Bible, that can be found on page 143. And in the large print Bible, page 322. 143 and 322. Listen, you heavens, and I will speak. Heat you earth. So even with the big print, I can't read it. Wow, gee. Hear you earth the words of my mouth. Let my teaching fall like rain, and my words descend like dew, like showers on new grass like abundant rain on tender plants. I will proclaim the name of the Lord. O praise the greatness of our God. He is the rock, his works are perfect, and all his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just he is. They are corrupt and not his children. To their shame they are warped and crooked generation. This is the word of the Lord. The second reading is from Romans, chapter 8, verses 1 to 11. I found it a bit of a tongue twister, so if you can follow it carefully to make sure it's right. Uh, It's on page 1754 of the large print and 784 of the fine print. Life through the Spirit. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because though through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh. God did by sending his own Son into the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh but according to the spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires but those who live in accordance with the spirit have their mind set on what the spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness." 
And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. This is the word of the Lord. Well then, Richard, it is a tongue twister, isn't it? Boy, do I feel under pressure today. Uh, You know, I always feel under pressure when it's someone's birthday because I think I've got to preach extra well so it's memorable for for them. But I'm also under pressure because someone's come all the way from New Zealand to hear me preach, but then someone else has come all the way from Portland, Oregon to hear me preach. (laughs) So, boy, the weight of the world is upon me. Let me pray. Dear God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and we pray as we think about Christmas that you might help us to understand a little bit more about the dilemma that you had and how it could be solved. And we pray that it will give us great comfort for we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. The news regularly leads with a plea for justice. Just think, the scene is often one of a family standing outside a courthouse being interviewed by a reporter and a family member or their representative will say something like this, he got five years, only five years and we lost a son. It's tragic, isn't it? Heartbreaking when there is a murder or something else happens and someone seems to have got off relatively lightly. It's ingrained in us that we find justice. And it starts way back when we are little. For who of us and this is flippant in regards to what I've just said, but who of us hasn't said when we were little, it's not fair! And we know the little sister always gets away with things that the big sister didn't. And the third child, well, look how spoiled they are! And you see, it goes on through our life, doesn't it? Because many times in the hospital ward, when someone is dying, their loved one will say, it's not fair, they're such a good person. So justice is ingrained in us. And people when they think about God, actually don't want justice. It's a very interesting thing. They want love. You know, people, non-Christians will say, it's God's job to love us, not judge us. But you see, this is the dilemma that actually God has. I wonder whether you have thought about the fact that Christmas 
isn't a problem that we've had to solve. It is the answer to a problem that God had. Christmas, the sending of Christ, is a solution by God to his problem. Now, what was his problem? His problem was that he had made people and they were perfect and they were supposed to spend forever with him in a perfect relationship. We call it the Garden of Eden. But what takes place, as we all know, is that human beings sin and so the relationship between God and the law and and the human beings is broken. And so God now has this problem. He wants people to spend eternity with him. But how can they? Because he is perfect and death comes, so the relationship is broken, but he still wants them to spend eternity with them. He wants them to be in heaven with them, but they can't get in because they're not perfect. And God can't do anything other than be consistent with his own character. Language lets me down here a little bit, but in a way, God actually can't break his own relationships with himself in regards to his personality. He's perfect, and so it's impossible for him to do anything that would break it. Let me explain it this way. What I mean is... If our children do something wrong, we are either punishment or say, oh, well, doesn't matter. But you see, God can't do that. He can't brush it under the carpet. He can't say, oh, well, it doesn't matter. Because that would make him imperfect. So how is God going to solve this? Because we read in Deuteronomy that God is just and right and Abraham starts it all off because he says, will not the God of the whole earth do right? It's a rhetorical question. Yes, he must. He will, but more importantly, he must do right. And David writes in Psalm 145, the Lord is righteous in all his ways. So then, what is to be done? You see, non-Christians, and we might well do it, think that mankind seeks after God. But the Bible teaches us that it's actually the reverse. God seeks after us. The Bible says to us, None are righteous and none seek after God. It is God seeking us. And so he has a dilemma. 
How can I live forever? How can I get these people who have sinned? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, says the Bible. How can I get all these people who have sinned into heaven? I'm perfectly just, says God. What am I to do? And so, what takes place? Do we call out, God save us? Well, humanly speaking, we may do so. But what takes place is that God solves his own problem by sending Jesus. Matthew chapter 20 and verse 28 says this, Jesus came to give his life as a ransom for many. And Paul writes about this himself. Paul had struggled to earn his salvation. He was well educated. He tried to live his life as a person as perfectly as he could. He tried to educate others. But then, as we know, on the road to Damascus, Jesus Christ reveals himself to to us and he comes to understand that we are saved by grace through faith, as he writes in Ephesians chapter 2 and verses 8 and 9. That salvation comes by God's graciousness of opening our eyes to the truths about who the Lord Jesus Christ is. And so he writes these words, You are not your own. You have been bought with a price. The judge has actually determined what the judgment would be and he has meted it out on his son, the only perfect person to walk this earth. And Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. Here we are reminded of what Christmas is really about. The plea, we want justice, isn't very Christmassy. But when we think of who needs to be satisfied, and that is God, so that we might have eternal life, and who provides the penalty and who fulfills the penalty, we are reminded of actually how Christmassy justice is, how justice is so involved in regards to Christmas. And here is wonderful news for us, is it not? To be reminded that we are forgiven people 
through Christ's work on the cross. For without Easter, Christmas does not mean anything. A baby born, perfect, of a virgin. But if that's the end of the story, justice is not done. But Easter is where justice takes place. Our God has acted perfectly, fairly. Deuteronomy 32 and verse 4 says to us, He is the rock, his works are perfect, and all his ways are just. His own penalty has been paid. And we, men and women, boys and girls, who have made mistakes, committed sins, we do not have to fear our God. He has acted justly and brought us salvation. Is it any wonder then that Revelation chapter 19 and verse 1 says, Alleluia, salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for true and just are his judgments. Romans chapter 8 and verse 1 says, For there is no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. I wonder what your expectations are for Christmas Day. You know, it won't work out like that. Somebody will do something wrong. The batteries in the kids' toy won't work. Auntie Elsie will abuse Auntie Uncle Percy. Something will be overcooked or undercooked. Something will go wrong, and I'm not a prophet. (laughs) But you have lived through it, and you know it. But our expectations are high, aren't they? Because we do want it to go well, and I trust and hope that it might. And we want to be with our loved ones, and we want things to work out. But it may not. So what I want to say to you this morning is they're worldly things and I hope they go well but reflect on the most wonderful thing of all. There is no condemnation for us in Christ Jesus. Why? Do the angels say, peace on earth? Well, they are looking ahead 30 odd years. They're looking to the future. You know, when a child is born, we often say, I wonder what they'll grow up to do. I wonder what they'll be when they grow up. Well, The angels knew 
what Christ would grow up to be. He would grow up to be our Saviour. Peace comes through Christmas and through Easter. I'll pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your word. May it bring us great comfort and great joy as we share together in Christmas, as we give one another presents and enjoy meals and enjoy one another's company. But above all else, Father, we do pray that we will constantly give thanks that you sent Christ so that justice would be done. For we pray in his name. Amen.